If you will, open up your Bibles to Matthew, uh, the 16th chapter. We're going to begin here, and we're going to talk about being built to last today, or you could say it like this in parentheses, built up to last. And God, in the day and age we live in, wants the church to be strong. One sign of strength is joy. It is. The depression of the Lord is our strength, right? Says that in Ezekiel, back in the old chapter. No, it doesn't say. Joel says, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength, or Nehemiah talks about that. You know, the Bible talks about this joy that is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If I want more strength, then if God quickens me and I get strengthened, there will be more joy. Amen. Amen. Not like, let me tell you, this is a funny joke right now. Not like that kind of joy, because that's only emotional. Joy, real joy uh, from God is a spiritual commodity. The Bible said, in his presence is fullness of joy. If you get in God's presence and you see him, the perspective of who God is correctly, and you realize how he is toward you and for you, you're going to go, man, I got this made. But if your perspective is wrong, you'll see it wrong and you won't realize, man, God's so for me. He put his joy in me and strength in me. I don't think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all depressed about the fire. And they came marching right back out. And, and they smelled. said, no, don't even smell like smoke. Not even touched by what was going on around them. Amen. If anything, we should be like that as Christians. Amen? Like a duck. You know, water gets on, just rolls off. But there are things, you know, that we need to be built in or things stick. You with me? And we don't want that. Let me try that again. We don't want that. No, we don't want that. You know, when those fiery darts come flying, we don't want them stuck in our head and we're walking around. Why are you smoking? No, I don't smoke. Well, there's smoke coming, you know, that fiery dart's burning. We need to learn how to distinguish that it's a fiery dart and then extinguish them. But that being said, Matthew 16, we're going to talk about being built up today and built up to last. God wants you to last, me to last, everyone to last all the way through. Failure shouldn't be in your mentality as a Christian. How many bad plans does God have for his people? But, you know, if you were trained up thinking, well, you win some, you lose some, uh, then, then you maybe need to look at the Bible and go, if God works all things according to the counsel of his will, if you think it's bad, then you might have a twisted idea of God. Because when God comes back in the earth, everything that would hurt, kill, destroy, cause damage, would all be removed. If it was his will then why would we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? How much bad stuff's happening in heaven? I mean, and depending on the neighborhood you're in. You know, because some of the neighborhoods, you know, up there are across the tracks. Those neighborhoods. No, because there are no bad neighborhoods up there. Is everybody alive and well? There are no bad neighborhoods up there in heaven. And so therefore, you can't find any place that's bad. 
I mean, when you go from one place to another, there's peace, joy, comfort. It says no more pain, no more sorrow. Well, when does that happen? When the enemy, the devil, is removed. So that has to tell us that, that the bad is not from God. Now, you might have heard that, but that's not true. And so, do you think God wants bad for your life? You know, most people know Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of good, not of evil. You know, people know those verses. But then they'll tell you, well, you know, some things God wants bad. Jesus, when people didn't know what was going on, one time he said, listen, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Then the Bible said this, he whose mind is stayed on the Lord, he'll keep him in perfect peace. So then that just tells us good is from God, bad is from the enemy, no matter what people have been told. And then if my mind is stayed on the right thing, peace will be in my heart. If I start entertaining wrong things, no peace gets squelched. Divine peace. I'm not talking the peace the world has to give. So here in Matthew 16, we're going to talk about how to be built up and how to stay strong uh, through certain things. Amen? Matthew 16, verse 13, says this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Notice he didn't say, Who do they say I, the Son of God, am? He was the Son of God, but he is also the Son of Man. He was born of a virgin, but he was the Son of God, too. But from a natural standpoint, by what people perceived, he said, what is, you would say it like this, like, hey, what's everybody saying at work about, you know, who God is or who Jesus is? Some say he's a good man. Some say he's just a prophet. Some say he is a religious leader. That's what was happening back then. He said, who do men say that I, the son of man is, am? Verse 14 says, so they said, some say John the Baptist. Isn't it wild? In a Hebrew religion, they didn't believe in reincarnation because it's not scriptural. Some people are thinking it's John the Baptist come back to life. Okay, we'll just keep going. And um, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. These were guys that had been gone for a while. Because they watched Jesus doing all these spectacular things. They knew Elijah would come again. Or somebody in the spirit of Elijah would come. And prepare the way for the Messiah or the Savior. So they don't know who he is. And then so he asked what does the world say? Let me make a statement. The world is going to have different ideas and opinions than you as a believer. And that is okay. Now, do we want to change them? Yeah, but you can't change all their opinions. We desperately need to get people saved. Lead them to the Lord. Then they'll know for themselves, and then their opinions will change. You with me? When he said go into all the world and preach the gospel, he didn't say try to change everybody's mind about everything. First thing you need to do is you need to go adopt a dog and teach it how to meow. 
That's what you got to do. How many Christians are trying to make lost people meow? They are bark, they're barkers. The only way they're going to meow is to become a cat. You know, every now and then you find some funny video on YouTube where a cat sounds like it's meowing. A million people watch it. That's one. Here's the thing. Who do they say, and they got all these opinions, not one of them was right. Verse 15, but he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Notice, the son of man, here he said, you're the Christ. You actually are not just born of a virgin, born of a human. You're the son of God. Jesus answered, verse 17, and said to him, Blessed are you. Notice he didn't say, blessed are all those other ones who said, Oh, well, Elijah. Those are all religious ideas. Oh, John the Baptist, some Jeremiah. Those are all religious ideas, but they weren't blessed for religious ideas. They were, they were only blessed when they accepted and walked in the truth. Not an idea. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, this is such a reality that you have. It's a different reality. It's not a reality of the mind and different ideas. This is actually a reality that is revealed by the Spirit of God. This is something I know that nobody else knows. But others can know it. Others will have different opinions. But he said, blessed are you because you didn't get this the way they got their information. You, you have come to know this actually from God. Flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. You are Peter. Notice it said Simon Peter. Now he said, you are Peter. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Well, he's talking about this Petros, this hard rock. He said, on this, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell and death and the grave, eternal damnation, shall not prevail against it. Against what? Against this rock what rock was he talking about? He was talking about the message of who Jesus is, what Jesus bought, what Jesus paid for. He said, on this message, I will build my church. Isn't it interesting? He said, go preach the gospel. If people get saved by believing and accepting, that's that rock that the enemy cannot prevail against. You with me? Why is this so important because he said on the truth notice that phrase he said I will build my church now the church is not just walls the church meets in walled buildings and stuff but the church is made up of people so he basically said I'll build up my people I'll build the church I will build the church remember how do people get saved 1 Peter 1.23 said people get the incorruptible seed of the word of God. They hear the word and then they become born new when they receive Christ. 
He's building the church. And he said, the gates of hell need not prevail and will not prevail against this. They'll never squelch this out. Well, if the gates of hell cannot prevail, and he said, I will build my church. If I was building a building and I said, hey, come over to my new property. I want everybody to see this brand new building I'm building. It's a house. It's a mansion. And we went over there and we saw a foundation laid in two or three walls. And a week later, I said, come back and check out the house I'm building. And it was exactly the same. And month after month, I got you out there and said, look at this, check it out. And it was exactly the same. And a year later, it was exactly the same. Would you say I'm building? No, you'd say I was building. But he said, I will build continuous action, my church, through this truth, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church is something corporate, and the church is something individual. You with me? Because people make up the church. People make up the church. And so the church, if he said the gates of hell will not prevail, then that means he's not expecting us to just fizzle out. I remember uh, during a downturn in California, it was probably in the 70s, you know, or somewhere late 70s, there was some condos that were being built and they just froze. Year after year, they just sat there. Well, it first started looking like they were building and then it ended. And I mean, for like 10 years, somebody went in there, bought the thing and finished it. And you know what I thought? As soon as I saw something, I went, oh, they're building again. God wants to build the church. Getting built in the church is not just getting saved. Notice this. John 6, 60, probably a familiar verse to some people, but about building the church. The value of the truth of the Word of God. The value of being under a pastor or, you know, under, you know, leadership is important. Proper leadership makes a difference. Luke, or I'm sorry, John 6, and we'll begin reading in verse 60. It says, therefore... 660, and we'll read through 63. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Well, he had just got done making some statements that were, that were tough. You know, let me just make this statement. Not everything you hear from the Lord is just going to be easy to do. Some of it will be challenging. And if you think Christianity is just supposed to be floating through life on flowery beds of ease. I stopped my statement right there. Just, just cut that off. No, some decisions are tough, but they're right. And we should realize that, we, that some decisions are not always the easiest. How hard is it for some people to give their life to the Lord and then cut off their friends that God deals with them to cut off? And then people are like, well, I ain't going to do that. Then what happens is you cut off something else. It affects you. I mean, the light disappears. And you're like, yeah, but I love you, Lord. Right. He said, if you love me, keep my commandment. Do what I'm telling you. 
I'm not trying to say this to be mean, but we should not be under the impression that the light just glows bright when I refuse what the Lord say, says. And here's the thing. We all know, you know, and then what's the problem is when people struggle with the decision and they go back and forth and they recognize this is hurting me, but I still want this. And the Lord's like, don't do that. But I want it. Then what's happening is you're going to hurt yourself. And God, God does all things to help you. Oh, that's what I want. I want God's help. Then you have to cooperate. But if you say no and refuse, it can be tough. How many good people who lo love the Lord have chosen to do that? I believe God will strive with people to make the right choice. Why? Because the right choice is good for your life now and in the future. Especially we live in a day and age where no doubt screaming to the end of time. Flat out. I think, I think there's a lot of people who don't really believe it deep down in their heart. Or they would do what they know to do. They, they, yeah, it's a good idea. It's close. But, you know, I got time. It's just not in their heart right yet. That he's coming soon. Well, praise the Lord. And God doesn't condemn people, but he sure wants the best. You know, but once we make decisions, he still wants the best, but some things hurt us more than we recognize, and he'd keep us from all that junk. Hallelujah. Well, we'll just pass that right on by. What, what verse we were in? Uh... Therefore, his disciples, when they heard that, said, you know, about these hard sayings, uh, who can understand them? They were, they were bothered by him. Verse 61, when Jesus knew uh, in himself that his disciples complained about this, what did they complain about? What were the disciples complaining about? What were they complaining about? This is an odd thing. His disciples were complaining about something Jesus said. I'll go over here. They were complaining about something Jesus said. We should never complain about anything that the Lord says. Ooh, it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Sorry, I meant this charismatic church. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples had complained about this, they didn't complain out loud, they did it inside and he knew it. He said to them, does this offend you? Does it offend you that I've talked to you about this? that I've dealt with you about this? Does this offend you? Whoa. Let me, let me just say this, too. If God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. <laughs> he didn't say it for his own sake. He says it for your sake. And when he said, does this offend you? He already knew 
It did. Then he didn't say it for his sake. He said it for their sake so that they could change if they would. Verse 62. What then if, in other words, well, you get offended at this, but what if you see what I'm about to tell you? Look at this. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? In other words, after he died and rose, what if you watched him go up? Then what would you think about what I said? Here's another thought. We're going to all see him probably come again. Or a big chunk of people will see him come again. And so then what he says now is important. Notice this. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Because he was in heaven and he came down. And they said, what, what? he said, what if you see this? And guess what? He said, what if, knowing they were? It is the Spirit who gives life. Remember, the Spirit of God or the Father revealed the truth. But he said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, the words. Now remember, what was the church going to be built on? The truth, which are words about Jesus and what he bought and paid for. Here he said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. Now jump down to verse 66 for time's sake. It says, from that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Some of them were so offended at what he said, they didn't want to accept him, his words. And he said, basically, you guys are going to have an opportunity to watch me die, uh, rise again, and I'm going to go up, and we know that. And some of them just said they didn't accept, they quit, they refused to accept what the Lord said, and they went back. So because the Lord is so good. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? And that was a general question. And a literal one. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? In other words, where are we going to go to if we leave following you? Where are we going to go? Then he makes this statement. You have the words of eternal life. Remember the, those words and that message, what is going to build the church. It wasn't only a matter of being built and starting but there's the side of continuing to hear the word. You with me? Why? Because he said, you have not just words, you have the words of eternal life. These are powerful words. These are different words. And he said, other people have left, but they left him, but they also left his words. His words of eternal life. His words that will last forever when nothing else will last. Heaven and earth will pass away. But His words will never, la will never end and will never pass away. 
These words are super important for Christians. Maybe uh, there are some that don't recognize the importance. Look at this in Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the 15th verse. The importance of words, because we're talking about being built up. Words, words, words are huge. All words are huge. All words are huge. How many little kids have been shaped with words that they shouldn't have been shaped with? And it was never God's plan to shape them with those words. But they got shaped anyways, and they were molded by words. And other kids got words of encouragement, and, and, and their lives are not doomed if they got one or the other. They can still be built up with words. Right words matter huge Remember, they departed from him. They really departed from his words. When they chose not to obey and follow him, they were really choosing not his words. Why are words important? Ephesians 4.15 says, concerning being in a church and being around believers and being around where the word of God is taught, notice concerning spiritual leaders, but speaking the truth in love with the motivation of love, but speaking the truth. What is the truth? It's that message. It is the gospel. It is the good news. But notice, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. What happened to those people who departed? They weren't growing anymore. They weren't getting built up anymore because they left the words that are powerful, that are filled with life, I mean, you don't have to know everything in the Word, but just having the truth taught properly will do something for you. I mean, you know, you go to certain places and eat their food, afterwards you feel stronger, right? I mean, unless you just go eat Twinkies all the time, and then you're like, why am I so shaky? But it sure tastes good, because there's different substance. And words all have substance. The words of a talebearer, the Bible said, go deep inside and cut. You ever had somebody use sharp words or wrong words? And they cut. But then the right words, man, they go in and they cut and they build up though. They get beyond your mind. They get down into your heart, into your spirit. Notice this, but speaking the truth in love may grow up, get built up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and knit by what every part supplies. How do you get your supply to give? Through God, through His Word, through the eternal life. Then you actually have a supply for the body besides the part that comes through ministry of the Word. You know it is uh, important to recognize that everybody has a part in this that's in the body. Not all will maybe function in it properly, but we should. Remember when they departed and followed him no more? I bet their lives were miserable. They probably said, oh, we're just doing good. We're fine out here. I remember one time I was preaching away, and on the inside I saw something. I saw a guy. It was like he was in a little basket. He was an adult or this little container, and he was floating away. And he was going like this, I'm fine, 
I'm fine. And I realized he was making wrong choices and he was drifting away. And he just drifted right off and went, went off on his own way. And if you asked him, how are you doing? He says, I'm doing fine. Words, if we hold to God's word, we'll be anchored. We obey him, we'll be anchored. And I'll tell you what, right words getting into a person will do phenomenal things for them. But speaking the truth in love, this is a ministry gift, may grow up. But all of us really have a part in building up. Everybody okay? Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Further down, verse 29. Notice this. He's talking about the new way of a Christian. This may be foreign to you if you're new in the Lord or haven't heard this before. It might be foreign to you. But this is actually, in the context, putting on the new nature that you receive when you receive Christ. When you receive Christ, you're brand new in your spirit. So he said, yeah, I've had a few bad thoughts. Jesus had bad thoughts. He did. Go read the Bible. The devil came and tempted him. Put thoughts in his head. He was tempted like you and me. But he refused them. Everybody okay? But putting on this new man, this is part of it. Let, look at this, verse 29. This is what we should become familiar with, especially in the day we live in. Hearing preaching that's right and appropriate and good is super important, but also words from one another are good too. Watch this. This verse is, you know, and, and we should not be afraid to say something good about somebody or say something that would encourage somebody and build them up. Yeah, well, what if they just rise up above me? It'll be okay. Remember Jesus said, you know, don't seek to exalt yourself. For he who seeks to exalt himself will be abased. So if you're like, well, what if they get up above me? You want that. Because Jesus said, if you want to be great, lower yourself. People don't realize that's wrong thinking. And really what it does is it may lock something away for some, somebody else that you could be giving them. Notice this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's going to clarify itself. Some people say, yeah, well, I don't cuss. You know, I'm a Christian. That's good and commendable, but that's not altogether what he's talking about. Because notice he said, let no corrupt. You know, when we talk about a corrupt file in a computer or something being corrupt, we know that there's something wrong with it. Wouldn't you agree? And so when he said, don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good, notice this, this is important, what is good for necessary edification, let's just look at that for a second, necessary edification. Notice the term good for. Well, if something's good for something, if I say, hey, putting your oil in your car is good for the life of your car. Putting dirt in there in its place is not good. Some of you are not sure. 
Let me try this somewhere you might know. Making a cake and putting a cup of dirt in there is not good. Right? But notice this. Good for, it's good for, you could skip over the next word and just say good for edification, which means good for building up. Right words are good for building up. Corrupt words don't build up. And this is instruction, so this must mean God wants His people built up. But notice that word He threw in there, necessary. Good for necessary. Well, just put an un in front of it. Unnecessary. You ever gone on a trip and thought, oh, we can't take this. What is necessary then? And then, you know, you're stuffed animal may not be necessary may have to stay home but right don't we haven't we ever all done that in certain things well i've only got this much room what is really necessary that means it's a it, it it's a must it's good for necessary or must building up what is not corrupt words no corrupt words, but what is good for necessary building up. Notice this, that it may impart. So this means this building up, it, it comes through words that are given to you and it imparts, notice this, grace. Meaning God's ability, God's strength. That's why when you hear the word taught, you get built up and you're like, Poo, glory to God. But he didn't say this should happen from the pastor. You know, like I'm going to be, I'm going to be at the door. Everybody line up in a single file line. I'm like, you're good looking. You're great. You're wonderful. Good things ahead. Man, you're neat. And just go down the line. And they're like, whew, praise the Lord. Hang on a second. I ran out of words. No, he's saying these are good God words, right words, not corrupt words. And he said they will impart something to somebody that will build them up. And notice he said grace or God's ability to the hearer. And then notice the next word, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So these words will not grieve God. And it says, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Then it talks about being careful about attitudes. Now, with the thought of words building up, let's end right here. In Hebrews 10, words impart grace. Proper words are necessary to all believers. You may not always get them from other people, then we got to get them ourselves. But you should be able to get them through the word that's taught, and, and, and we should be smart in growing in this area right here as believers, especially knowing that, that we are approaching the Lord's return. Seriously, we should grow in this area right here because notice this in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, a familiar verse to many people because some people say, well, I can be just as good a Christian and not go to church. I don't have to go much. I don't have to go often. I really don't have to go Notice what he said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves, ourselves together. Don't forsake that. That means this is something we should not stop doing. I understand we're in the middle of a pandemic and there are people at home. 
that's not what I'm talking about. But if, but there is a time where we come and we look at it and we go, we, we go. But notice this, not, and if you're not here, people should be watching. You with me? Why? Because notice this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So you could say it like this, if people don't assemble together, they're disassembled. You ever gone to buy something? I've gone to buy things like when we went to buy the playground set for in the back, you know? I was like, oh my, I read the instructions. It didn't say some assembly required. You ever read that? Some assembly required? It just said assembly. Well, that's something plain and it's the word some gone. In its absence, it may seem inconspicuous, but it was conspicuous. Some. No, assembly required. I read, I was amazed how many, like, 10 hours, 8 hours to build those things. That's why they they just some assembly required. That's 10 minutes. Notice, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. If the swing set is not assembled together, um, would it be smart to go swing on the swings? If it wasn't proper? Slide on the side? Like, oh, look at that. Get my kid up there. And the slide goes... And we all laugh. <laughs> no big deal. What was the problem? Well, it just wasn't assembled correctly. But it sure is funny. You know, your kids got the wind, <gasps> got the wind knocked out of them. No, it's not funny when things aren't assembled correctly, right? And so he said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. That meant back then they had a problem with some people assembling. Now, I've heard this said over the years, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, but to do it so much more as the day approaches. Anybody ever heard that? Well, that's not scriptural. It's not scriptural to say, as we see the day approaching, you need to assemble more and more. It's unscriptural then that means if we're really not close, then don't sweat assembling. Right? Isn't that the opposite? So what if some of this stuff passes we're on and then it looks like it's going to be a few more years? Oh, then you don't have to assemble. It's not what he's saying. Every Christian should always be assembling. He doesn't say as you get closer, we should all the more. Well, what about us who are all the mooring already? How can I do more? I'm already the mooring. I'm already assembled. I'm not disassembled. How can I get more assembled? No, that's not what he's talking about. If you read it slow, it'll explain itself. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more. What are we supposed to do? We're always supposed to be assembling, but one thing we're supposed to do as we get closer to the end times is to exhort one another, encourage one another. Exhort means to build up. Wouldn't giving grace in words build people up? Notice, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. 
what we need to do is continue on in the habit of being assembled together, but not only doing that, but becoming purposeful as individuals to speak right words to people, to build people up. There should be nobody we don't want to build up. Nobody in the church. Encouraging words, ministering grace to build up everybody. Somebody, and here's the thing. Don't go, well, I'm just waiting for people to build me up then. That's, that's what I'm doing. You know, I went to that church and you taught that message and nobody came and built me up. Notice it didn't say what you need to do is sit around and wait for somebody to build you up. It said we are to build up others. So many people get focused on themselves instead of on others. And they're like, well, you know, I went and they didn't come and encourage me. And they didn't build me up there. I'll tell you what, I'm not going back. He didn't say do that. He said, you build up other people. You work to build up. That's not my character. It is if you're saved. It might be new, but it is who you are. And he said, we need to do this as we see the day approaching. This could be a total change of thinking for a bunch of people. You mean them? Yeah, them. You mean that, the, them? Encourage them. You know, there's a verse of Scripture. I wasn't going to read this, but hey, we've already gone over. I could blame it on the music group, but that's not the truth. <laughs> That'd be lying too. So let's end right here in 1 Peter 3. I'm just going to pull one part out of this. Because here's the thing. Don't look for what others can do for you. That's just being selfish. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been trying to build people up. No, don't, don't worry about them building you up. The Bible said the measure you use when you do it to others, eventually it will start coming back to you. You'll find this as you build other people up. Uh, it'll do something for you. It'll clear you up of selfishness. It, it'll work on you. Three verse eight. You guys ready? This one, you know. You know, have you ever run over somebody, you know, like on, oh, you know, I ran over their foot, and then you're like, I don't want to, and then you put the car in reverse and run back over them. That's what I feel like I'm about to do to you guys right now. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Whoop, I did it again. But this will be good, right? Finally, all of you. How many? Let's just change that because it would be easier just to change it. Uh, finally, some of you. Isn't that better? Yeah, that's not what he said though, so we got to stick with what he said. Finally, all of you. Be of one mind, having compassion or love for one another. Love as brothers or love, have brotherly love or Philadelphia phileo love. He's talking about agape and the agape love, the God kind of love and brotherly love for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender hearted. Don't be harsh, hard hearted, ill toward people. 
That's what I'm talking about. Don't do that. Be courteous. No, no more. Can't do that. Courteous. Notice this. Not returning evil for evil. How many people want somebody to do it for them first? Or if people do it to them. No, don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. You could say it like this. Don't return wrong actions. Give a wrong action when a wrong action happens to you. Don't give a, a bad word when a bad word's been given to you. Wouldn't it have been nice if that's all he said right there? Because some of us would go, okay, I bite my tongue. I'll hold back my actions. But he said, nah, that's not where we're stopping, boys and girls. But on the contrary, blessing. In other words, when they do you wrong, speak bad, act wrong, what you do is you don't return, but you do return something. (gasps) On the contrary, or opposite, give blessing. Give blessing. Knowing that you are called to this. So many people want to know what they're called to do. Lord, I just want to know what I'm called to do. If there's anybody who wants to know what they're called to do and wants purpose in life, you know that's me. I've been praying. Well, here's your answer. Here's part of it. That's not the calling I'm looking for. He said, knowing that you were called to this, notice this next phrase. This is what we all want, right? The next phrase. You want to know how to get blessed and inherit blessings? Read the next verse. That you may inherit a blessing. You mean I don't get a blessing for returning evil for action for evil action or wrong words for wrong words? And if if I just don't do it, isn't that good enough? He said, no, you've actually got to give good and do good and speak right and not speak wrong. He said, you'll inherit a blessing. Oh, Lord, why do I keep coming short on the blessing? Maybe you're not returning evil. Maybe you're not speaking evil. But what about talking good? Why not impart grace to the hearer? Because somebody said they don't deserve it. Exactly. That's what it said. They've done wrong. They haven't been perfect. They haven't lined up. I feel like I just keep going at this. Notice that you may inherit a blessing. I don't know about you, but this means I just found out how to prosper. You said, I don't like this. My spouse hadn't been exactly nice. Don't return evil for evil. Blessing. I still love you. Well, praise the Lord. Guy cuts you off instead of cutting them back off or saying, you, yeah. Lord, I just pray that you'd send laborers across their path. That they might get saved. I do it all the time. I, as a serious prayer, I prayed for years. Lord, I don't know who they are. And they just did that. I pray that you'd send somebody across their path that they'd get born again. Send laborers. If I cut you off, don't pray that you send laborers. I'm already saved. <laughs> this prayer, I'd walk in the light, right? Sorry. So I took the bumper stickers off my car from the church. It said, follow me to Christ to the nations. No, I'm kidding. 
They're still on my card. No, it says not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, you were called to be this way. Ooh, isn't that a... You were called to be this way. That you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life, that's a blessing, and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. That's returning evil for evil. And his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. In other words, not returning bad action for bad action. And do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Here's the blessing for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who refuse and do wrong back. Well, that went over well. Think about it. We don't, we, I, I don't know about you, but every one of us can walk out of here today built up and inheriting blessings. Just inheriting blessings. And if you do this, you will be walking according to your new nature if you're born again. 